Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, we can do better than that, right? Yeah, I'm blessed. I was like, I know we got more people than that here in the house. It's like, I got wore out just shaking hands on this side and didn't even make it to this side. So I was like, wow. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you look better this year than you did last year. That's for sure. It's like, <laughs> God's good. I'm going to give a... got a couple of quick announcements here real quick. Um, our Hands of Hope food giveaway is not going to be next week. It was yesterday, and it was really good. But uh, come out and get involved with that. That's uh, the third Saturday of every month. We give out uh, food and clothes for free. And so if you're needing some help during the month, that's a great ministry. If you want to get involved in that ministry, come on out. It's, it's, it'll be next door right there. Tuesday night, we have prayer meeting here. So if you're interested in coming down and, yeah, learning to pray, uh, you know, joining in, having people pray for you, you got some needs that need to be met, we'll be more than glad to do that. Um, Wednesday night's our new believers class with Shelly. Where's Shelly at? Shelly there? Right there? Right there? It's a great class. <clears throat> and then uh, Thursday night, we have our Celebrate Recovery program here, which is, uh, yeah, I think they had close to 80 people here on Wednesday night, and they had a great time. And then uh, this Saturday is going to be the first church hiking group of the season, and they're going to meet here, I think, at 8 o'clock and head out to Sly Park, and uh, Rob and Heidi's heading that up, and they're right over there. It's like, woo-hoo, yes, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. And then uh, our homeless feed is going to be the, uh, the 29th, the end of this month, where we're going to meet down here, put some bags together, and we're going to go around town and feed some homeless and try to be, uh, meet some needs in the community. So there's some ladies' things in there, but you'll have to look in there and read all that because I don't have all the information quite on the ladies' stuff. The ladies are always doing stuff in this church, though, so that's good. Amen. Praise God. Let's uh, pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this day, this opportunity, Lord, to just minister your word. Father, I pray that the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, Father, just be here in this house, Lord. Touch those, Father, Lord, that's here. Give them a word today, Father, that stick with them, Father. And I bind every hindering spirit, Lord, and I just lose the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, Father, in this place. Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning just for a little bit because we're going to have communion towards the end, and so I don't want to take a lot of time uh, about the resurrected life. And uh, I'm going to take a scripture out of Mark 9. Jesus has just come, been transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Peter, James, and John's been there. They've seen Moses and Elijah, and it kind of it scared them. They wanted to build these tabernacles, and the Spirit of the Lord uh, uh, said, this is my son, hear him. And so they're coming down off this mountain. And Jesus says here in Mark 9, it says, Jesus gave them the orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man was risen. And then Oswald says this, he goes, there's a lot of people who have seen visions and dreams, and they've testified but there's no connection between what they saw and how they lived their lives because Christ hasn't risen in their lives. See, guys, you can come to church, you can experience things, you can see things, but unless Christ has been risen in your life, unless you've been born again, you've been saved, there's no connection between sometimes what you see and then what you feel in your spirit because the things of the spirit, they're spiritually discerned. Amen. You have to be born again in your spirit. Christ has to be risen in your life. Christ has to be more than a Savior. He has to be the Lord of your life, the risen Savior in our lives. Who sits at the top of your heart today, guys? Who's at the throne of your life? See, because you can read the Bible and have no understanding of it because the things of God are spiritually discerned. 
See, if you're not born of the Spirit, you won't understand what you're seeing or what you're reading. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a spiritual leader. He said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. See, because it's about relationship, guys. It's not about religion. You see, you can't go to heaven being a good person. You can't go to heaven being religious. The people are going to make heaven their home, guys. There's going to be people that's born again, that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's asked Christ to come into their heart. They have a connection with the Holy Spirit. You must be alive in Christ. Christ has to be risen in your life. He's the one thing that brings life to our spirit, guys. Christ doesn't want to hold anything from us, but our lives and our hearts have to be in the right condition to receive what the Spirit has for us. Jesus said this in John. He goes, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't receive them right now because they're of the Spirit. You have to be connected with the risen Savior in your life. See, Jesus Christ, is he the risen Savior in your life today, guys? Or do you still have other things in your life that's above him? Are you still chasing the things of the world, going after careers and finances and all those things? Is Christ the risen Savior in your life? See, when we begin to invest time in Christ and he becomes the risen Savior, we'll have an understanding. The Holy Spirit will open up God's plan, his purpose for our lives. Your relationship will begin to grow deeper when you begin to allow Jesus to be the risen Savior in your life, guys. And see, if I'm going to allow Jesus to be the risen Savior in my life, that means I have to decrease. I mean, it's got to be less of me, more of him. More of him, less of me, so there's all of him and none of me. That was Smith Wiggleworth. See, I must decrease, and he must increase, John said. It means my will must be pushed down so the will of God in my life can come forward. See, the world wants to bypass the cross. See, the suffering of the cross the suffering of Jesus on the cross. People want the benefits of the cross, but they don't want the suffering of the cross. And let me tell you, if you want the benefits of the cross, newness of life, forgiveness, life eternal, joy and peace, guys, there's gonna, you're going to have to know the suffering of the cross. The cross involves suffering. The Apostle Paul said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death by any means that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And that phrase there, that I may know him, it means to be fully acquainted with him, his nature, his character, his works, his salvation. And then the power of his resurrection means that I may understand and experience the power of the resurrection from spiritual death to spiritual life. That I once was spiritually dead, now because of the power of the resurrection, I have spiritual life. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, now I can see. I once was spiritually dead, now I'm alive. The Spirit gives life, guys. And the the, the phrase, the fellowship of his suffering, that means we must endure suffering to be identified with Christ. There's going to be suffering in this life, being conformed to his death. It means it's a continual process of my life dying out to to the things that I uh, desire, the things of this world, guys, that I may attain the resurrection. If you want the benefits of the cross, guys, you're going to have to share in the sufferings of the cross. See, everybody wants benefits, Everybody's looking for the jobs and the career that's got the best benefit package. You know, the best pay, the best vacation, medical, dental, and you know, all that, retirement. And we sell ourselves to the highest bidder. Um, We invest our lives, our time, and our health into that job, into that career. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, the one who has the best benefit package of all time, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, no more, uh, I mean, everlasting life and joy unspeakable. We don't invest anything in that. Or if we do, it's the bare minimum. But we still want the benefits of everlasting life. 
And see, church, if you want the benefits of everlasting life, there's a cross to carry in this life. Matthew said this. Jesus said this, actually, in Matthew. It says, anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And who finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That reminds me of a story I heard of an um, art collector that had millions of dollars of art, Picassos, uh, Rembrandts, all, all, the, all kinds of art. And uh, his son uh, went to war in Vietnam, and his son was killed saving the life of his buddy in Vietnam. And so some years went by, and the guy got a knock on the door, and it was this, this gentleman with a package. And he said, sir, your son saved my life. And he goes, I painted a picture of him. And he goes, I'm not, I don't claim to be an artist. He goes, but I think it captured his likeness. So he opened it up and he looked at it and began, the guy almost began to cry because he saw his son's likeness in this picture and his eyes and, and, and just the silhouette of him. And he, and he loved this picture. And so he put it on his mantle and his fireplace. And when people would come over to his house to see all the great paintings and, and artwork that he's collected, he'd always show him his son first because he loved his son. Well, later on, this man died, and, and all of his paintings came up for auction. And so the first one on the auction block was the picture of his son. And he's all, let's start the bidding off at $100. Who will give me $100? And no one would bid on it. And they're all, come on, get that out of here. Let's get on to the real value. Let's get on to the ones that's really, that cost something. And uh, people wouldn't bid on it. So one guy finally in the back said, I'll give you $10. He says, well, do I hear 20? And people are just getting mad. They're all, come on, let's get on with the, the really expensive paintings, the ones that cost the most. And he's all right, well, going once, going twice, sold. And then a guy comes up off the side of the stage and whispers in his ear, and he turns to the crowd and he tells everybody, the auction's over, everything's been sold. And they're all, what do you mean everything's been sold? He says, it was in the clause that whoever got the son got it all. And see, church, if you find yourself in this world and leave out Christ, you've lost everything. But if you deny the world for Christ, you've gained everything. So you might be here today, and you might not have enough money to rub two pennies together. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you got the Son, you got it all. You got everything, because he has everything, life eternal. Taking up your cross means I'll have to lift. I'll have to carry some weight. I'll have to put an effort into it. I'll have to make some sacrifices in my life. In other words, I'm going to have to bear a cross, guys. The cross of Jesus Christ will cost you something. It's the way of discipline. The Christian life is a life of disciplines, of prayer, of reading, of fasting, of worship, of disciplining my spirit to grow in Christ so that I can know him, that I can look like him. There's some laying down of some things in my life that i got to push and lay aside that I can grow, that I can look like Christ, that people will see Christ in my life. The way of the cross is a way of submission. The Christian life is, is a crucified life. It's a life that's brought under submission unto the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, our lives to show the glory of God, we must be crucified that Christ can be alive in our lives. The Apostle Paul put it this way, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. See, I don't do what Jeff wants no more because my life's been crucified. It's not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. I bring my life under submission, under subjection. I have to bring it under subjection so I can grow in Christ and know his power of the resurrection in my life. 
See, the problems with a lot of rehab programs is today is people go into them wanting to be made new and clean and find newness in themselves in a program. But we're spiritual guys. And you can't find newness of life in a program or yourself. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit in your life to change your life. Now to whom is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works when, in us, guys. So the question is, what power do you have working in you today? Do you have the power of self, or do you have the power of the Holy Spirit that's able to touch your life, to change your situation, to bring you out of that addiction, to break that thing in your life that's got you bound? The power of the Holy Spirit, guys. It's the power that changes our lives. You can't change on your own. It has to be something bigger than you in your life. You have to have more of power in your life than just yourself. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to change a man or a woman's life, to bring newness, to break addictions. The power that works in us must be greater than ourselves, guys. A program will never change you. We must be crucified with Christ in his resurrection, raised in his newness, his life, born again. Paul says this in Romans, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer live as slaves to sin because he who has died has been set free from sin. We're no longer under the bondage of sin, guys, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He was crucified for your sins and my sins that we could be free from the sins of this world and the things that hold us down, our hurts, our habits, all those things, guys. We can be free. We need the power of the resurrected life today in our lives. The way of the cross is the way of obedience, Hebrews says. Though he, uh, he were a son, it says, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of our eternal salvation to them that obey him. See, the way of a cross is the way of obedience to God. Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but Father, your will be done. In other words, not my way, but your way. How many times did we pray that prayer in our life? Lord, not my will be done, but Lord, your will be done. Lord, I'm thinking about investing some of my life savings into this, this account, Lord, or this, this business. What's your will for my life, Lord? Lord, I'm thinking about marrying this person, Lord. Is this your will for my life? I love you, but Lord, I love them, but I, I love you more than them. I'm willing to be single, Lord, and be in your will, and be married and be out of your will, Lord. How many times did we pray that? Lord, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus knew the cross was a cross of suffering. And he knew the cross of suffering was coming. He knew it was weight and it was heavy. See, Jesus said, Father, if it be your will, take this bitter cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we have to pray, Lord, your will be done in my life. He was obedient to the suffering of the cross so you and I today can have life in the spirit. John says, uh, Jesus said in John 10, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. In other words, life to the fullest. Church, are you willing to be obedient to Jesus this morning? Are you willing to be obedient to the cross if it costs you some suffering? If God's got a plan and purpose for your life, a road for you to go in, and it's going to involve some suffering, are you still willing to pick up your cross and follow after him? Amen. See, the way of the cross is a way of obedience to the Father. And church, if you're not a person of prayer, you'll only be able to carry your cross so far. Cross-bearing requires you spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ, spending time alone in prayer with God. Prayer brings, brings us to a place of humility, a place, a place of brokenness, a place of submission to do the will of God. 
Jesus spent time daily with the Father, praying and seeking him. And as a church and as individuals, if we want to grow and get closer to God, we have to spend time in our relationship, not religion, but a relationship where I'm praying and seeking him. He's speaking to me. We have communion. We have relationship. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. They say that people that live together for long periods of time begin to look alike. Dress alike, you know, kind of a finished sentence. It's because they've spent time together, guys. They spent time together. And see, the problem with most Christians today is they spend more time in the flesh than they do with the Father. More time in Facebook than in God's book. They spend more time doing the will of the flesh than they do the will of the Father. No wonder the church and people in church look more like the world and act like the world is because that's who they spend the most time with. And see, we need to get back to praying, get back to seeking God, get back to knowing him, spending time with him, that when people see you, they'll see Christ in your life. When they come to church, they'll see Christ in our lives because we've spent time in prayer and fellowship with him. We've taken on his characteristics. A little prayer, a little power. A lot of prayer, a lot of power, guys. Are you living the resurrected life today? Does people see more of Jesus in you than they do of you? There's hope today, guys. His name is Jesus. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Apostle Peter said, There's no other name under heaven given where man can be saved. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is our salvation. He's our hope today. He's our resurrected Lord and Savior. He's not in the tomb no more. He's alive and well. We have hope today, church. We don't have to stay in the darkness. Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. He came out of the tomb with resurrection power. He's not in a garden somewhere. He's not a statue with his belly hanging over his pants. He's alive and well. Thank you, Lord. And he's coming back for a spotless bride, guys, one that's pure and holy, that's clean, that's without blemish, not one that's been prostituted to the world, but one that's name is pure and holy, guys, that's been crucified with Christ. Have you been crucified with Christ today? Are you alive in him? Have you been raised in him today, guys? Have you been resurrected from your sins, your old life? Have you been applying the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to your life today? Are you living the resurrected life? Because of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead, you don't have to stay dead in your sins or that dead situation. Jesus broke the power of sin over our lives. You don't have to be bound and left for dead. The tomb, a cave, it was a place of darkness. It was to be a final place, the end of the story, a place of no life, no hope, no future. But Jesus Christ, because of the power of the resurrection of the Holy Spirit, we have hope today because God raised Jesus from the dead. And we have hope today that death is not final for the Christian, for our life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he was dead, shall live. We have hope today, guys. The tomb means life for us as Christians because it was a borrowed tomb. Jesus didn't need it for a long period of time, so there was no sense of buying one. He just borrowed it for three days. The tomb couldn't keep him. It couldn't hold him. It couldn't stop him. Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He took the sting out of death for you and me, guys. Our enemy doesn't even own the keys to his own house no more because Jesus took them. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I have hope this morning, guys. You have hope this morning. I have hope that I'll see my father. I'll see my loved ones again. You'll see your loved ones again. 
The grave's not the final destination for the believer. There's no darkness in the death of a believer. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Death for the believer is just a door that we step through to a new life. Joshua tells a story of these five Amorite kings that fled. They were whipped by Israel and they fled in fear and they went and they hid in this cave. And it says, now these five kings had fled and hid in the cave at Makeda. And when Joshua told these, uh, was told that these five kings had been hi- uh, found hiding in the cave at Makeda, he said, roll a large rock up to the mouth of the cave and post the men there to guard it. And see, church, we live in a world and, and a world outside these walls that, uh, that are people that are hiding in the caves of fear, addiction, uh, depression, loneliness, guys. And if you stay in that cave, it will become a, a prison to you. Or to them. And just like Joshua, when he threw him in the cave and, and he sealed it up and he put the guard out there, it became a prison for them, guys. And uh, the Bible says that uh, he, brought, he brought him out and he had him killed and he had him put back in the cave. And so now this cave, this hiding place, this prison, it became their tomb. And if you stay in a hiding place, guys, if you stay in a cave of hurt and addiction in your life, it will not only become your prison, it will become a tomb. It will become a grave if you don't get out of it. And see, God's wanting us, the church, to go outside these walls and tell people that are stuck in their addiction that there's hope. Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and he has power to take their addictions and break those things in their life. Give them hope today, guys. There's hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope. It's a new season. It's a new time to live again, to dream again. The resurrection and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ changes lives. It changes my life. It can change your life. He sets captives free. Praise the Lord. If the worship team wants to come on back up this morning. The Lord can reach down in that tomb the world's put you in. He can roll the stone away, guys. He can give you new life, new hope. The world might have thrown you away because of an addiction, because of a failed marriage, because of some financial situations. But Jesus Christ is the living Savior today, and he'll never throw you away. He's able to take that situation and roll that stone away and bring life back into your marriage, into that financial situation. He's able to give freedom to those that's been entombed by addictions and sins in their life. Jesus has the resurrection power to bring you out of the darkness, to get you out of those caves. Christ is our new life. He's the light of the world, the Bible says. John says this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness will be the light of life. Church, we're celebrating the resurrection today because Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. We have life. We have hope today. We can live the resurrected life. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper here and uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to have you come forward and, and grab the cup. And if you're not able to come forward, just raise your hand and we'll have our ushers get you a cup. But as you come forward and get the cup, take a few moments at the altar here. Take a few moments in your seat before you take it and reflect on what today means to the believer, what today today means to you, that today we have life, we have hope today. You're not stuck in addictions. You're not stuck in your sins. We have hope today because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. We have life in him. The Bible says this in Luke. Stay in a place of reverence here. It says, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was broken, guys, that you and I don't have to be broken. We don't have to stay broken in this life with things that, that bind us and keep us down. Matthew, he said, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink you all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many, for the remissions of sin. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness from our sins today, guys. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then Isaiah says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. And the punishment that brought us peace was put upon him. And by his wounds, guys, by his stripes, you are healed. And then Colossians says this, guys. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So as we get ready to come and take this, if there's any sin, guys, in your life, if you got any ought in your heart against somebody, get it right. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And as we come and get these cups, find, find a place here at the altar in your seat and spend a few minutes with the Lord reflecting on what Jesus has done for us today. I have freedom, Jose. I have freedom. I have freedom because Jesus Christ broke the bondage of sin over my life, over your life. I have hope today, hope beyond this life that this is not my final destination. This is not my final stop. And God has freedom for you today. And not only that, today when we get done doing this, if you need prayer, we're going to have our prayer team here. We'll, be, we'll pray for you. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to introduce you to him. Because it's not about religion. It's not about coming to church. It's not about going through ceremonies. But it's about a personal relationship that he came, that he died for you. And he loves you. And above everything else, he wants to be in relationship with you personal relationship with you. So come, let's take the cup.